welcome to the Mint Podcast, where we dive deep into God's Word and discuss practical ways to live it out. This season, we're doing real talk about how we can contend for breakthrough in the most difficult and painful parts of our story. I can't wait to see what God, the commander of heaven's armies, is going to do as we press into him. If you want more of what you hear on the show, there are additional free resources, merchandise, and donation opportunities available at amintageisler.com. We're a listener-funded podcast, and we appreciate your support so much. Let's go run the race. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here with me as we spend the next few minutes diving deep into God's Word and discussing practical ways that we can live it out. And I'm just so excited for our current series called Under His Wings. We are looking at the book of Ruth, who's one of my heroes of the faith, and we are talking about how we can posture ourselves before the Lord and what kind of strategy we can have when life falls apart. Uh, We talked about how it's impossible to have a plan because life never goes according to plan. But a strategy is more of a posture before God where we can position ourselves in such a way that He can work out the ultimate redemption of our story. And this is week number three of the Ruth series. And so if you have missed one of the first two episodes, I just want to encourage you to push pause and go back and listen to this in sequential order because the episodes do build on themselves. You can listen if you want, but it's going to make more sense if you start at the beginning of the series. And today the story gets crazy. So I kind of love it. We're going to have some fun today. We're going to talk about her third heart attribute, which is courage and how we can exhibit courage like Ruth. So let's pray and dive into the text. God, I thank you so much for who you are. You are the great redeemer. You alone are worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. So we bow before you in this moment. We humbly ask that you would give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, and hearts that are courageous enough to follow you. Show us things we do not know. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you know, we've been talking about this under the wings strategy, which also can mean under the covering or the protection of God. And that when we find ourselves in a situation, the first thing we need to do in our mind is tuck under the wings. And remember, we're not alone. We're not out against the world by ourselves. We aren't open to any attack of the enemy. He can't have his way with us because we are tucked under the wings of God where we are held safely. And then next, we've been talking about our heart posture And how we can be loyal like Naomi and Ruth were and how we can be humble like Ruth was. And then today we're going to look at how she displays courage. And so I'm excited for today and for chapter three. And every time we've seen how with this mindset, with these attitudes, Ruth takes the next right step. And her first next right step was huge. She had to leave her homeland. And sometimes God asks us to take huge leaps of faith. But in chapter two, the next right step was just a little step. And it was just getting up and going to work every day. And sometimes God just needs us to take little steps of obedience every single day for a long time. And that's how he can lead us forward. So chapter three is another doozy. And like I said, it is a little crazy. And it is a big leap of faith. And Ruth does show us her fearlessness. And so let's get back to the story 
uh, as we ended chapter two, what happened was Ruth came home from the fields and she had an abundance of grain and she had all this leftover food. And Naomi was like, what happened? You know, this morning we had nothing. And Ruth's like, we have a redeemer and his name is Boaz. And he took care of me and he protected me and he provided all I needed. And all of a sudden, Naomi, who was in the pit of despair, couldn't have seen anything good if it was in front of her face because she was so down and despondent. She comes to life because now she can see that God is indeed working out a plan far greater than what they could even imagine. And for months now, they have experienced the faithfulness of Boaz as he takes care of them and protects them and provides food and work for Ruth every single day, all through the harvest. And so we're going to pick up now in chapter three. And this is where Naomi kind of comes back to life again. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time I found a permanent home for you so that you'll be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, I he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath. Put on perfume. Dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor. But don't let Boaz see you until he's finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down and then go. Uncover his feet and lie down there and he'll tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. And so she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. Pause. Does anybody else here think this sounds crazy? It sounds to me like Naomi is literally pimping out Ruth. Shower, smell good, put on your best clothes, wait till he's been drinking in the middle of the night and then go lay down next to him under his blanket. Hello? This is, at first read, a little scandalous. What in the world is Naomi suggesting that Ruth do? Has she lost her mind? And that's kind of what it feels like. And then Ruth is like, I will do as you say. Ruth, are you kidding me? I mean, yes, you are fearless, but this is ridiculous. So why? Well, as I dug into the why, why would Naomi suggest this? Here's what the theologians think. And she's, she knows Boaz. She knows his reputation. She knows he's a godly man by how he runs his fields. She knows that he's been taking care of them. And she heard what Boaz said to Ruth about being under the wings of God, under the covering, which interestingly enough, she's been ruminating over because that was actually the phrase used for a husband taking care of his wife when he would take her under his covering or under his wings. She's like, now, isn't that interesting that Boaz, a single man, even though he's older, would say that phrase to Ruth and that he would take care of her and that he would provide for her and that he would protect her even though she's a Moabite. Hmm, he's proven himself faithful. I wonder if he would be willing to take the next step and actually be her redeemer and marry her. So she's not coming out of left field. She actually has watched Boaz run his life and she feels like this is kind of a safe chance to take, that they can trust Boaz. But this is still a huge leap of faith. Now, I just want to pause here because I'm going to say something for the benefit of people. And maybe you're listening and you're like, this is ridiculous. I would never do this. God, you better not call me to do something like this because I'm not doing it. And some of you listening are going, yeah, God has called me to do something crazy. And everybody in my family is going to think I'm crazy. And nobody in my family is going to understand what I'm doing. And yep, sometimes God plan, God's plan is crazy. 
Sometimes God's plan is different than what the world thinks should be acceptable. And we got to be willing to do it. But, you know, I think as I've thought about this, the reason that Ruth was like, yeah, I can go do this is because she's been taking faithful next right steps every single day for months. She's already taken a big next right step and left her homeland and God provided. She's already taken too many little numerous next right steps to count. And at every turn, God has provided. And so she's seen this about Boaz too. And she wonders, hmm, maybe this is a possibility. Maybe I could redeem my family. Maybe I could fix things for me and Naomi. But it involves taking a chance. But she, this didn't come out of nowhere. And so often we want to do big things for the Lord. But I think that rests on the foundation of tiny little steps of obedience first. You got to take the next right little steps every single day. And that builds to a faith and a courage that is strong enough to take huge leaps of faith. It's in the everyday obedience. So let's get back to the story. And Ruth is looking all good and she's feeling all awesome, right? And it's the middle of the night and Boaz is happy because he's been eating and drinking and he's laying down. So let's see what takes place. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. And Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. And around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and he turned over and he was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. So here's what happens. Let's pause here. This is really beautiful, actually. Because not only is Ruth taking a step out in faith, she's doing it humbly. I want to show you. She went and laid at his feet and uncovered his feet. This is what servants did for their master in the morning when they were ready to serve them and do their bidding. They would go lay down at their feet and uncover it to show them as a sign they were ready to serve them for the day. This also shows her humility, doesn't it? She goes and she lays at his feet, which he would have understood what that meant. Like, I'm ready to serve you. And she uses his words back at him. She says, spread the corner of your covering. Same words as under the wings. Exact same translation. Our Bibles just translate it differently. But she says, spread your wings over me for you are my family redeemer. See what Boaz said he saw her doing to the Lord. Like you have put yourself under the covering and protection and provision of the Lord. She's saying, Boaz, will you do this for me? Isn't that beautiful? And she does it so humbly. Here's his response in verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You're showing even more family loyalty. There's that another word, right? Now than you did before. And you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary. For everyone in town knows you're a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there's another man more closely related to you than I am. So stay here tonight. And in the morning, I'll talk to him. And if he's willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning. But she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know a woman was here at the threshing floor. And Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. And he measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. And he returned to the town. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, what happened? My daughter. And Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done. And she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. 
Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he's settled things today. So we learn so much here. I think one of the things that is so neat is the honor that Boaz displays here. It is the middle of the night. No one is around to watch. A beautiful young woman who smells good and looks good is laying at his feet and he doesn't touch her. He does not dishonor the Lord. He stays under the covering of the Lord and he leaves her. And I, you just got to think about the temptation that he was facing here. And we live in a culture where honoring and saving intimacy for marriage is not revered. It is mocked. And Boaz and Ruth hold firmly, even though no one is around to see it. And this is what it means. It's the epitome to be under the covering of God. See, they had an opportunity here to step out and to do fulfill the desires of the flesh. But they chose to remain other, under the covering and do it God's way. There's always a blessing and a reward for doing it God's way. There's always protection that comes. And then Boaz is so careful that in the morning he even sends her back with grain so that if someone does see her, that is she, nobody questions what she was doing so that honor stays intact for both of them. So that people don't even think there's not even an appearance of wrongdoing having been done. And then he says, this is kind of where the plot thickens, where you're like, wouldn't it be great if they could just get married already? Because he's already said that he would, but there's another redeemer in the way. So he's got to take care of it. So it's like we get to the yay moment. This is about to you know, just settle itself out. And then, no, just kidding. There's another obstacle in the way. And isn't that true about life? We start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and then another thing comes and throws us sideways. And we're like, oh, really, God? Really? Really? But that's the way it works sometimes. But they did things honorably. They did it the right way. Ruth demonstrated tremendous courage. Boaz called out her loyalty. They both were so humble about it all. And now Boaz is going to go take care of business. And I I just love this. But what I want to point out about Ruth and, and what we've seen literally every step of the way is that her actions are so marked by a reverence for God and by an adherence and an obedience to his word and by a heart posture that is loyal at every turn, that is humble at every turn, that is fearless at every turn. And because she's that way, the Lord can weave together this story that never could have been written any other way. I mean, imagine if she hadn't wanted to go to work. She never would have ended up in Boaz's field. Or imagine if she had decided to do things the way the world would have done it and gone back to Moab and tried to just find a Moabite who she could quick marry and skip all that heartache. I mean, it's not easy to leave your homeland and to go somewhere where you're going to be considered an outsider and have no social status and be sentenced to a life of not getting married and not having children. And let's not even forget that she's been barren up till this point. So for Boaz even to be willing to marry her, knowing she's a Moabite woman and barren, is a huge answer to prayer. But see, she had to be willing. It was because of her character that she stood out to Boaz. It was because of how she was under the wings and had demonstrated all the loyalty and all the faithfulness that she was able to catch the eye of Boaz. And just for us, let's just pause now and do the application for our own selves in our own life. 
as, as you are walking through whatever it is currently that you're facing, ask yourself, number one, what does my loyalty look like and where can I improve it? Are you being loyal to the Lord? Or are you letting your loyalty go to something else, whether it's you're depending on yourself and you're trying to do it your own way, or you're depending on other people, or you're depending on a habit or an addiction or something to keep you going? Where's your loyalty? And making sure that we keep our loyalty with the Lord and the people around us. Just take a minute with the Lord and ask him, okay, God, where can I improve my loyalty? And then when you think about humility and how she just was okay to take the position of a servant, doesn't that just remind you of the Lord? That just reminds me of Jesus, how he gave up his heavenly throne and how the scriptures say that thinking equality with God as not something to be valued. He came to earth, took the humble form of a slave and died and went to the cross. Like he gave up his kingship in order to be for us what we needed. How loyal is that? How humble is that? It is the epitome of Jesus and Ruth demonstrates this so beautifully. And then the courage, the courage that it took to do all of these steps that she did and where in your story, Where in your story can you be more humble? Where in your story do you need to repent before the Lord and say, okay, I haven't wanted to do that or I haven't thought it was fair or I thought I deserved better. I didn't want to go do this, but I'm going to go do it. And where in your story do you need to renounce your fear and cling to the courage that we have in Christ? You know, my verse for the year, and I talked about this in the last episode, Psalm 118, verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. And when we live from that position, what do we have to fear? What can man do to us? What can happen to us here on earth? The Lord is victorious. His plan will prevail. We will be with him in eternity. Nothing can separate us from him. And when we live from that position, then we can walk in courage. And so if you feel afraid to take the next step, it's such a great idea to have a moment with the Lord and say, show me where the chink is in my armor. Show me where the weakness is. Show me where in my belief I've gone astray or struggled that I don't have the courage to do what you're asking me to do. Because we need to shore up our armor, shore up our hearts, shore up our minds so that we can walk in total courage for what the Lord is asking for us to do. And maybe that might look like you need to phone a friend. Do you remember that show, How to Be a Millionaire or Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And that was one of your options, your lifelines was to phone a friend. You might need to phone a friend and say, fear has gotten a hold of me here. I need accountability. I need you to help me move forward. I'm going to call you when I'm too afraid and you got to talk me out, you know, talk me through it. Or maybe we need a mentor. Maybe we need to talk to a counselor. But if fear has taken a grip of you, Community is a great way to fight fear. Satan works in the darkness. He works when you're isolated. He works in the shadows. And when you are in community with other believers, not only can they join with you where two or more are gathered, Jesus is there. They can pray for you and encourage you, but they can also hold you accountable that you're going to keep moving forward despite that fear. Or maybe we need that accountability partner to show us where we're being prideful and we need to be humbled. I have a really good friend who's not afraid to say to me, Uh, I think you're wrong here. Oh, I think you need to apologize or nope, you're kind of being a jerk. And I love that about her, that she's willing to call out. But 
in order for us to receive those things, we have to have a humble heart because sometimes we don't even see pride blinds us. So we don't even see where the spots are where we're not being humble and where we're not letting God move and work. And the best example I can think about this, and it's it's hard to talk about, and it was a really long time ago, but for those of you who know my story, and if you've never heard it, it's episode one, season one of the Mint podcast, but I am divorced. And I remember at the end of my marriage, I was married for 10 years the first time. I remember thinking that our marriage could have worked if it weren't for him and that he was the whole problem. And I had a laundry list of things that were wrong with him that needed to be fixed. And I would pray every day, Lord, fix him. And you know what the Lord did is he stripped me of all my pride and he showed me all the things that I did wrong. And he allowed me to train wreck my life until I could see that I was too the problem and that it wasn't just somebody else. And sometimes we need to allow God to do a work and to strip the pride so that we can be humble. And that is not fun. And it is often painful, but it's so worth it because then we can position ourselves like Ruth did for God to work out redemption. And all of this kind of boils down to that humility part where we can say, Lord, you're the redeemer, not my way, your way. Lord, do a work in me, whatever you got to do so that this can be redeemed. And that is a scary prayer to pray because God will do it. But we need to do it if we want to be like Ruth and we want his way and his plan. So under the covering and for us to be loyal and humble and fearless in our hearts and take that next right step, whether it's big or whether it's little. And so next week we are going to come back. We are going to hear the closure to the story, what happens in the redemptive process. And I promise you, it's going to leave you skipping and jumping and singing the praises of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are and how you love us. You are the great Redeemer, and we bow low before you, and we ask that you would make us more like your son, Jesus. Show us how to be humble and loyal and courageous. Help us to take that next right step, whatever it might be. Speak to us. Lead us forward by your Spirit, that we may walk in the fullness of your plan for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Mint Podcast. More resources are available at amintageisler.com. Let's do this faith journey together.